Well, week by week, we have been digging deep in exploring this beautiful theme of Hope Springs. Let's remember our theme verse that we have been carrying through the series. It's Romans fifteen thirteen, where it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason we are talking about this theme of hope is because we admit that this is precisely what our world needs. Someone has said that you can live 40 days without food, three days without water, three minutes without air, but we cannot live at all without hope. Today I want to reflect with you on Isaiah chapter 40. It's a magnificent chapter of hope, frankly, because it deals with a group of people that are despairing and troubled. The message we are exploring today is for a broken and humiliated community. I want to remind you of the circumstances of what happens here in Isaiah chapter 40. God's people were forcibly removed from their homelands, and they were taken as captives to a foreign land. And they despaired when they lived there that they would always have to live life in exile, that they would never be able to go back to life the way that it was before. And now Isaiah is saying something that is so hard for them to believe that God will call his people back to return to a land of promise. And so through the prophet Isaiah, God promises comfort for his people. In verse 1, we read, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That one verse of scripture just at the very beginning of the chapter is an opening for hope. The word comfort can also mean strengthen my people or encourage my people. And then if you move and look to verse 5, you'll see that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. That's the promise of what's coming. And then in verse 11, on their way home, the promise that the people of God will be gathered and shepherded and carried tenderly in God's arms. It's like God is saying, hope is on the way. Isaiah knows what his listeners are thinking. Given the power of the Babylonian captors and the splendor of their gods, how could God's glory really be revealed? How could they believe that God would comfort and rescue them while they are in such a position of weakness. Remember that Isaiah is writing this letter to people who feel abandoned by God. They were absolutely exhausted, and they had lost hope. And God is very aware of their desperate questions. So when you look at verse 27, we read these words, Why do you complain, Jacob? And why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Here's my paraphrase. If God makes us wait like this, can we really trust his wisdom? Can we really hope in his love? God has lost track of me, 
and he doesn't really care what happens to me. I hope you can feel the weight of these questions as we explore the power of this passage for us today. This is a message for God's weary people. In verses 28 to 31, I invite you to look closely at those four verses because four times, once in each verse, we find that word weary. 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 It's an awareness that God's people are just worn down. And verse 30 reminds us that even the strongest of young adults, the most vigorous, will grow tired and weary. They'll stumble. We are all prone to weariness. None of us is exempt from that. And it's only in the last verse of chapter 40 that Isaiah includes at last, this word hope. The Hebrew word kava originally meant to twist or to weave as strands of a rope, giving capability of holding a heavy load. This rope is stretched, but it's strong, and it's ready to endure the pressure and to hold up. And what I want you to do is picture hope as holding on to a firm rope that will support us. In his book, A Hidden Wholeness, uh, Parker Palmer relates a story about farmers in the Midwest in the Midwest, who would prepare for blizzards by tying a rope from the back door of their house out to the barn as a guide to ensure that they could return safely home. Such a short distance. These blizzards came quickly and fiercely and were highly dangerous. And when their full force was blowing, a farmer could not see the end of his or her hand. Many froze to death in those blizzards, disoriented by the ability to see. They wandered in circles sometimes lost in their own backyards. And if they lost their grip on the rope, it became impossible for them to find their way home. Some froze within feet of their own front door, never realizing how close they were to safety. How does God offer that kind of rope that we can hold on to in the storm? I want to ask this question, Is that kind of hope really available for us to hold on to and to cling to when we feel like we're lost? Look at verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. First thing I want to say is that hope is available by admitting our own weakness and by admitting our own weariness. It seems like a very strange way for us to gain strength by admitting that we are weak. But it's only after admitting our weakness that we can become aware of the power of God. This verse seems to be an Old Testament counterpart to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul writes, My grace is sufficient for you, 
because my power is made perfect in weakness. The good news is, God doesn't grow weary. The same God who upholds the stars in verse 26, Isaiah 40, is also the one who supports his weary people. The same God who names the stars in verse 26 is the one who knows us by name. Isaiah is telling us that you and I will have strength because we are waiting on the one who will never grow weary. We do not hope in hope. We do not hope in our good circumstances. We hope in the Lord. Hope is also available by seeking out a sustaining word. What do I mean by this? Maybe some of you are so weary of missing family and friends. Or you're just disappointed about not being able to meet together personally with our community and our church community. Perhaps in this season you have missed deeply these routines of normal life. And if you were to admit it, you might just say, I am so emotionally drained and my soul is weary. If you turn ahead just a few pages from Isaiah 40 to the 50th chapter, you'll read, The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. And here's what I love about this verse. What sustains weary people is an ear that listens well and a tongue that offers encouragement. Don't get trapped in the thinking that you have to figure out all your problems by yourself. That you don't have to work out your stresses alone. Rather, make the step of seeking out a sustaining word and a listening ear. Your Christian discipleship is so linked to having a few friends that will lift you up. Should you be surprised that I talk about the value of healthy relationships and getting connected in Christian community? I hope not. I'm convinced more than ever that this is exactly what we need. And by the way, God is also calling you to be a hope giver to others. Day by day, you can pray for an instructed tongue to sustain the weary. Day by day, as you get up to listen to God's voice, you can share that hope and love with others. And as you hear this message today, if you are not sure where to turn or whom to turn to, please reach out to us at info at mcbc.org. And our leadership team would be so glad to line up a time to talk and to pray with you. Hope is available. Hope is available also by living with a God-honoring rhythm to life. I'd like to remind you about God's intent for work 
and rest. God worked. We are to work. God rested. We are to rest. During the strange season of COVID-19, it feels like every day kind of blurs together in this pandemic where we can become so easily fatigued and where we forget to set aside one day as different from another. One day where we can, in the words of Eugene Peterson, one day where we can pray and play. As I speak of the Sabbath as being a unique day, I'm not telling you to make a careful list about what you can and what you cannot do. But I am talking about one day in the week where we can trust God enough to stop from our work and where we can, in the words of Isaiah, call the Sabbath a delight. Isaiah 58. Can you answer the question, if I were to ask you, what kind of activities you joy and delight? Could you list them? Could you say those things? This may be a hard question to answer during COVID-19, but one that needs to be addressed. One day where we can purposely remember that God values our being just as much as our doing. I know my own temptation to think that I'm only valuable by the things that I do. And when I get especially down, I have to push myself harder and work harder in order to show that I am worthwhile to other people. A healthy rhythm to life will restore your hope. Let me remind you of this also, that hoping is always combined with waiting. In Isaiah 40, 31, you may notice that there is a connection between the words hope and wait. So in the New International Version, we read, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Or if you're reading from the King James Version, you'll read, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Or Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in His word I put my hope. I want you to notice that interplay of hoping and waiting and how they are intertwined. Lewis Smedes wrote, Waiting is the hardest work of hope. So as we hope, it doesn't mean that we sit around and do nothing, but it means that we look to God and we meditate on His promises. Waiting is not just something bad that we have to do until we get what we want. The waiting shapes us into God's image. It keeps us steady. And next comes the promise. Isaiah forty thirty one. When we hope in Him, then weariness 
is exchanged for God's renewing strength. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. As the Old Testament scholar David Hubbard was reflecting and writing on these words, he said, we must live these words one line at a time. Soaring, running, and walking. Sometimes you will mount up and soar on wings like eagles. Eagles are amazing flyers. They are made to soar. When in the air, they can hold their wings outward, and they rarely flap their wings. They're saving energy. Instead, they rely on the air currents to lift them upward so that they might soar in high in the sky. Hummingbirds flap their wings up to 70 times a second. They expend so much energy. But if we are lifted up on wings like eagles, we soar because the Spirit is lifting us. God says in Exodus 19, 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. It's a picture of God's wonderful work in their lives. Where have you soared? Maybe it has been times when God was answering your prayer powerfully. Or God was blessing you wonderfully in your life's work so that you saw great success. And God was using you in wonderful and amazing ways. When we soar, we rise above our troubles. And a gust of God's wind helps you to step out powerfully. And when God brings you to this kind of soaring, just keep praying and live thankfully. There are other times in your life where you'll be able to run and not grow weary. How many of you are runners? There are times when you won't be soaring, but you are running. And you have a steady pace. And you know that you are moving quickly and wonderfully. Yes, you might have setbacks, but you still see God at work. Even during all of the challenges of this COVID-19 season, I still see wonderful moments when God is helping us to run as a church. Just over Christmas time, we sent out a plan to raise funds for the Faith at Work project in the Philippines. And we raised way above and beyond what we aimed for. That was a wonderful moment when we could look and say, we are running. We are running and seeing God at work in a good way. As I look back over this past year, we have sought to be faithful in our small group ministry. And over last year, we have added new leaders and new people who are attending small groups here at MCBC, online, 
God has been doing a wonderful and amazing work. There are times to soar. There are times to run. But most of life is just walking and then waiting. Times when we can just walk and not faint. We may stumble, but we can get up again. God does some of His best work while we are just putting one foot after the other. When we press on in discouragement, sorrow, and pain, but we're still faithful. Mark Buchanan is a seasoned pastor and also an author, a Canadian author. And he writes in his book, God Walk, he says this, At my age, I should be further along than I am. I shouldn't be so impatient, so quick to judge, so ready to blurt my opinion, so easily rattled. I shouldn't resent delays or savor gossip. I should be kinder and quieter. But the going is slow. Most people I meet wish they were further along the road than they are. Most people wonder why it takes such a long time to learn wisdom and walk in grace and overcome fears and not bear grudges. And the going is slow. Isaiah 40 is a promise. The whole chapter is a promise assuring us at the very end that God will bring His children home. While you walk, you may not feel like life is really fruitful, but God is still doing His important work in these seasons too. And it is so incredibly comforting to know that there is a promise. We will make it by God's grace. Hope is on the way. May you soar. May you run. And may you walk and not grow weary.